1: hey
2: what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty is charged podcast my name is and i am your host and joining me today to preview the chargers and falcons game also probably rant a little bit about what has happened earlier this week are my guys tyler and alex alex we'll start with you man how are you doing tonight
1: doing good um very excited for a game in which uh we will dominate and win against the falcons uh we'll, we'll win maybe? I don't know.
2: I love the maybe at the end there. Um, Yeah, definitely gonna be a very interesting matchup this week. We're gonna dive into all of it, of course, and uh, Tyler's here as well, man.
3: Tyler, how are you doing today? Doing pretty spiffy. Both of my hamstrings are pretty good. I suffered no setbacks, and I'm ready to go. There you go. Must be nice. I I feel like
2: we can collectively, the three of us, put together enough hamstring uh, tissue to give to Keenan Allen, and maybe that would be Good enough for him to get out on the field so um sounds like that's kind of where we have to start off tonight obviously uh the news uh surrounding keenan allen and his hamstring has uh been less than ideal at this point in the process so uh he suffered another setback during the bye week while he was rehabbing um does not sound like he's going to play this week uh per source that is not the plan for him um best case scenario obviously that he Practices fully next week and plays. So um, there is no timeline. They're they're kind of done trying to put this on a week-to-week, day-to-day kind of level. Um, but regardless, we all thought Keenan Allen was going to be back after the bye week. He is not going to be back. Uh, this is going to be a, a difficult game for the receivers again. Um, but, yeah, so no, no, no Keenan Allen for at least the next week, potentially more. Um, Tyler, your your thoughts here as we kind of maneuvered through this debacle, I guess is the right way to, to describe what happened today where Brandon Staley is saying that he didn't suffer a setback, and then Keenan comes out and says, No, I did suffer a setback. So uh where where are we at with Keenan Allen in this situation today, in your mind?
3: I don't know. <laughs> because it's either day to day, week to week, or Keenan's like, yeah, no timetable at all. I'll be ready when I'm eventually ready, when it feels better. No one's given us a straight answer today. The only straight answer we could have given you was yesterday when Steven, you found out that Keenan's not playing this week. And I was like, no, <laughs> no way. Right. Like, there's no way he's not playing this week. And so I reached out and well, no, first in our fantasy league, I traded for Josh Palmer. I did the responsible <laughs> thing. <laughs> And I traded for Josh Bomber. And then I reached out. And apparently Keenan Allen was not supposed to play against the Seahawks. Granted, it was possible. And we all thought it was possible. And he did end up playing. But he really was not ready. And he was not supposed to be really out there. And the medical staff said, probably shouldn't go out there. But someone overruled it. And Keenan Allen went out there. Apparently, there's this full blown rush because of Super Bowl aspirations and pressure for players to get out there. Is that a new thing in sports? No, happens all the time. Probably has happened to several players on this team so far this year. JC Jackson has been rushed out and sent out there for 100% of the snaps against the Chiefs. How much pain is Trey Pipkins in right now? I don't know, but they don't have a better right tackle option. I don't know man and then just just for today for the Chargers to not even have their stories straight on what is even going on with Keenan Allen's hamstring like the whole thing is a cluster f which is doubly worse knowing that they knew that this was an issue whether it was during the game after the game during the bite or whatever they knew this was an issue and they said well we'll just we just won't sign anyone. We just won't trade for anyone, but we're fine where we are, right? It's a whole, whole issue. I don't want to really go back and talk about the, that they didn't trade for anyone. I'm trying to move on. But then today, <laughs> Keenan Allen is, is like, yeah, my hamstrings F. Yeah. And yeah. we know that he's not going to play this week. And it could be for weeks to come. That I'm not really, I'm not so sure about, but it's definitely not this week. And at some point, what do, the, what do the Chargers want from Herbert and Lombardi? Like, what do they want from Joe Lombardi? It feels like bad self-scouting to not know that... You, I mean, you should have had a new receiver anyway. Like, regardless where whether Keenan is coming back, I think signing a wide receiver five would have been nice, but they didn't do that. But knowing that he's not coming back, or at least for a week, maybe for longer, you should have done something. And now they're rolling out there, and I'm not sure the chargers are going to beat the Falcons. They should like based on where they were going to be, but heading into this week now, I don't know. And I feel like it's just poor self-scouting. The whole thing seems like a mess. They've been rushing players back. It seems now Keenan and Allen is going to be out for longer than expected. It's a mess. And I feel like there's so much more we could go in about this on about this, but I'll wrap it up there.
1: Yeah. Um, tough, tough all around, uh, just because like Tyler said, the confusion of the press conference and just being like, well, when did he hurt his hamstring? How did he hurt his hamstring? Was it a bye week? Is it just re-aggravation? Um, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, that stuff's not important. Um, in terms of not making a move, which you know they very publicly didn't do at the trade deadline, it was just very weird to hear Brandon Staley's press conference today, where like he almost sounds like he's in denial because you know, every time he like talks about not making a move at the trade deadline, it's like, OK, well, you know, we're going to get Keenan back and we're going to get Mike back and we're going to get Bosa back. And I'm like, Santa Claus is coming too. like at this point, because <laughs> it's just like Keenan very clearly, probably for the rest of the year is not going to be 100 percent. Like, I mean, this is where we are with the situation. I mean, he hurt his hamstring earlier in the year and since week one has reaggravated it now twice Per Keenan Allen's timeline where he re aggravated it prior to the Houston game and now has reaggravated it again. And, you know, obviously he's a, you know, thirty plus year old wide receiver at this point. Like at this point I don't think they can rely on that. Mike is gonna be out for the next month. Joey at least the next month. Uh, JC done for the year, and all the other things that we keep talking on about, but it's just like it, it does accentuate why, you know, why I think there was so much ire about what they did at the trade deadline, because at this point, you know, you have this kind of bare bones team that is, you know, going to play the Falcons uh, this week and then you get the Niners and the Chiefs and they have to go through this kind of gauntlet of a schedule over the next month, including, you know, a, a game against Atlanta that is an East Coast game that I think is, you know, become relatively difficult for them, um, given the circumstances and everything and, you know, the Chargers Generally, have traveled well, but still, I mean, it's a West Coast, East Coast game. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, this is not a obviously good position to be in, but it's, it's just why, even though they're four and three, and people will point to that, it's just why things feel worse than four and three right now. And this Keenan Allen thing uh, is kind of an example of that. The miscommunication in the press conferences and, and everything else. Um, I don't know what quite to make of it anymore, but it's, it's why at this point I think the Chargers can win a couple games. I think they can potentially get hot, but it's just, you know, a, another reasonable cloud of doubt as to why this team, especially after not making moves, shouldn't be viewed as really a contender over this next month.
2: Yeah. The, the whole situation with Keenan is frustrating, right? Cause he is older, you know, before the season, there were rumblings of, like, the team potentially not not within the building. Rumblings, like, in media and fans that, hey, this might be Keenan's last season. Like, they might have to be smart here and move on financially. Um, and then this, <laughs> for him to have the training camp that he did where it was just, like, Keenan, 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 Keenan. The first quarter of the Raiders game, it was, like, Keenan, Keenan, Keenan. And now, all of a sudden, you know, we're in week we're heading into week nine and we've seen 44 snaps, 45 snaps of Keenan Allen on the season. So, you know, I feel awful for him, especially as somebody who has been on a lot of very bad Chargers teams. He's had obviously the previous injuries and things like that. So, you know, this was supposed to be kind of like the twilight of his career and be able to kind of like go out on higher notes than he has been. And um, that's just not happening. So very frustrated for him. The whole receiver thing, in general, is extremely frustrating. The process that this Chargers team is employing when it comes to the receiver room is very frustrating. Last year, they essentially were okay with rolling uh, through the whole season with the four receivers, and then whoever the special teams player was, whether that was KJ Hill or Andre Roberts, like they they were they were firmly okay with rolling into the season with four receivers. And in 2021 slash 2022, that's just not how most teams are operating, right? Like there's been, you know, the biggest business, the biggest boom at the position that we've seen, you know, every draft sounds like there's like 25 receivers that get taken and there's all this great talent in the position and the Chargers are just like, oh, we, we signed our two guys. We have Josh Palmer. We have Jalen Guyton as our speed guy. We're good and then hey like we just kind of lucked our way into deandre carter being like a functional wide receiver so it, it's just frustrating to watch like the rest of the league and you know, if you look at our lads like basically every team in the league has six receivers on their depth chart four or five have seven uh the patriots carry eight on their active roster granted one of them is, is matthew slater who never actually plays receiver but um it, it's just been frustrating to watch and like they refused, refused to put Michael Bandy on the active roster until they literally had no other choice. Jason Moore has been on the active roster since week two, and he has he has ran like 32 routes in seven games. 32 routes in seven games, and it's like now you're rolling into, like Alex is saying, this very difficult stretch of games. And I know Atlanta's not like great on paper, but they're four and four. They're in the lead in the NFC South. And they're going to go from not playing Michael Bandy and Jason Moore at all to relying on them as starters. Like this is, it's just so frustrating to see them not do anything. And, you know, we can talk about like the lack of trades. I think a lot of that is overblown. Like we never expected them to go out and get Elijah Moore or Chase Claypool or something like that, but go, I mean, maybe they did. We don't really know for sure. I assume they were probably making calls and stuff like Brandon Brandon was saying, but, there's been no effort over the last two weeks to get even, like, depth receivers. Like, the 49ers you had, like, 15 players on Monday in for workouts. The Chargers have not done that at all this year. There's just – there's been no effort to replace the injuries. And you're talking about Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Jalen Guyton, who – and Josh Palmer has been injured as well. So, it's just really frustrating to to watch them – operate in this way they're they're putting the they're putting the game on all pro difficulty and there's no need for it and I'm again i'm not asking them to go out and trade for tyree kill or some, or even elijah Moore or something like that but just like show us that you're trying to make the offense functional and not asking so much of your quarterback and your play caller who's under a lot of fire himself
1: yeah um and, and i mean i think it's just a matter of also like and, and this is kind of what Brandon Steele was talking about in his press conference and, you know, just saying, OK, well, we did all of this stuff in the off season, Right. Yeah. It's like we invested all this money into J.C. Jackson and to, you know, all these guys. We got Khalil Mack. Right. It's like, well, you know, we're sitting here today and, I you know, can count the amount of money that's, you know, not on the field right now. Right. I mean, you spent 20 million dollars on, you know, uh, J.C. Jackson or 18 million dollars per year. He's not on the field. Joey Bosa makes 25. He's not on the field. Uh Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both make 20 each. They're not on the field. So the Chargers are approaching a point where, you know, they have 100 million, 120 million dollars in guys that are not on the field because they're injured, right? And it's just like for them to defend the off season, which was a good off season, I think we all agree, 100% to- just say, oh, well, we don't have to do anything because we did that. It's like, well, all of those guys and all of the contracts that the Chargers have agreed to before on extending these players, I mean, they're not on the field right now, so you have to do something, right? right? Again, that doesn't mean, like, you know, go full Miami Dolphins and trade all of your first-round picks. Um, But it's like Nelson Aguilar, like Stephen is saying, wouldn't kill you, right? Kendrick Bourne wouldn't kill you if you did that, some trade like that. Um, right, so it's just kind of these smaller moves that could have helped the Chargers. The Steelers got a pretty decent William Jackson trade themselves. Um, so you know, you could kind of go through the list of guys, it's just like we weren't really asking for the moon here, but it's just like at some point, you you know, you got 120 million dollars or so of uh, injuries on your IR, or guys that aren't coming back for the rest of the year, guys that are coming back in a month. Um, it just uh, makes it more difficult.
3: Yeah, it's so frustrating to watch for, like, you even at some point have to feel bad for Joe Lombardi because, like, I know people are frustrated, and I get it, but the reason we can at least defend him, not that that's all we do, but if we were to defend him, it's sort of easy because you can say, well, last year the system worked, and you can say, like, with the Chargers, with Justin Herbert, the system can work. But the problem is, and we're seeing this now, Is that Joe Lombardi is a play caller who can elevate the right players. Joe Lombardi, the play caller, cannot elevate all players. And when you have the right players, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, whatever, when those guys are healthy, and of course your line is working, the offense is great. Like you can't say the system doesn't work. It did. It did last year. They were top five in almost every category you could think of. Mm -hmm. But now you have a team that does not have those right players. And it's like I said earlier, it's poor self-scouting. Joe Lombardi, he does have to have these players for this execution heavy, specific, efficient offense to work. He does not have them. And so now they're actually forcing Lombardi, who cannot do this because that's just not the play caller he is. And he's not an A-plus play caller. He's not one of the best play callers in the league. Granted, I don't know what Andy we could do with Jason Moore, but like you're <laughs> asking, you're asking Joe Lombardi to do something in his scheme with players who don't fit it so i don't know what they're expecting of this offense at this point i'm not saying it's set up to fail because there is money invested in the line there is money invested in tight end they did use a third round pick on a receiver i'm not saying there's nothing there but there's not enough there for this coordinator and the team on offense is going to flatline until some of these right players like i guess just Keenan on mike williams come back yeah and that's the
2: thing is they're banking on positive health returns and you know, they're not, they're not planning for that. Right. Like I, the, the thing right. that kind of adds it for it to me is like, you know, we we've seen them be proactive and add depth in other positions, right? Like they had, they went out and got Troy reader for this same purpose. Hey, like we're not super positive. Kenneth Murray is going to work out. Let's go get Troy reader. Uh, we're not super positive. Jerry Tillery is going to take the step forward. Let's go get Morgan Fox. You know, we want to go get Bryce Callahan. We want to go get Calvin Noy. And then at receiver, it's like, eh, we we don't really think that any of these guys are going to start over Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. So, like, why even try? So, you know, it's just frustrating. Like, throw a seventh-round pick at a receiver. You know, they – I mean, they had some undrafted free agents in, but it's like you got to go out and be proactive here. I mean, the the Giants are in a similar boat in terms of their receivers. I mean, they don't have a Keenan and a Mike Williams, right, but very injured. They went out and claimed Isaiah Hodgins today. I would have been – I'm at the point where I would have been happy with that, right? Like, at least, like, go show me that you're trying to do something to improve the room instead of trotting players out that, frankly, you're showing us you don't trust. Like, Brandon Staley is saying, hey, we're confident in our guys, but the snap counts are telling me you don't trust Michael Vandy and Jason Moore to make plays in games, and I'm sorry. Like, I think Michael Vandy deserved to be on this roster from the jump of the season, but um, this offense is not working when you have – Mike Williams slash Josh Palmer and then DeAndre Carter and Michael Banny as your three main receivers.
1: Yeah. And, I, and I, it just feels like in Tyler kind of mentioned this, I think with uh, Jalen it's like Jalen guidance, your speed guy. It's like, well, Jalen tore his ACL five weeks ago. Right. So what, what are you replacing if that's your speed guy? Right. It just yeah. feels like, well, if everything goes optimally through the season and he just stays healthy, then they're fine. But that's not what happened. Right. Um, and, you know, like Steven said, kind of banking on positive health returns. It's like, this is the first time Joey Bosa in his career has ever had midseason surgery. Right. You know, you're banking on him coming back from a, you know, it groin tear, uh, and, you know, pretending like he's going to be hundred percent from the jump. Same with what they were doing with Keenan Allen's hamstring, same with what they're going to be doing with Mike Williams and, you know, his high ankle sprain. That's going to keep him out a month. So it's just like, you know, you can hope for, you know, high ankle, uh, or, uh, returns here uh when it comes to these injuries but it's just like it's not it's not something you should bank on even though obviously part of the team construction makes it so you have to but it's, it's going to be difficult right you know i mean like i said
2: obviously you know we we the three of us understand like this team was not in a position to go trade a second round pick for you know a chase cape or go trade a first round pick for bradley chubb if the broncos were willing to deal within the division but you know, why are we not doing going out and trading for like a Jacob Martin at pass rusher or, or the equivalent of the receiver? So it's just it, it it's been a frustrating week and it's been a frustrating couple of weeks after losing that way to the Falcons. So um, you know, we we, we had our rant, you know, we're we're gonna move on and, and hopefully, you know, this team is gonna uh rebound and do some smart things in the next couple of weeks. So um, you know, thank you guys for obviously. <laughs> dealing with us and listening to i'm sure a lot of there's a lot of frustration in the chat and and things like that as well so thanks
1: for coming to our ted talk
2: (laughs) exactly um all right we are going to jump into our falcons deep dive as we do uh every single week uh very fun team As, as an objective football fan you know definitely uh punching above their weight class as they're sitting at four and four at top the nfc south so uh, we'll, dump, we'll jump into coaching staff, free agency moves that have impacted the season, as well as draft picks.
3: Already, I have the coaching staff. Arthur Smith took over last year as the head coach. After two years as the coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, they went 7-10 and 10 last year. They're currently 4-4. Four and four. And somehow that means they're the number one team in their division. God, I would love to be a part of one of those South divisions. That <laughs> right. sounds really fun. But yeah, they're four and four. And you know, some games not looking so great. Some games they are about to beat the Rams at SoFi. Um, but they they genuinely, over the last couple of years, have had one of the worst rosters in the league. Like it's a couple of stars and definitely there's definitely some good players there, but not a lot of great players on that team and yet over the last two years they are only two (laughs) wins behind the chargers um, who have a much better roster by far Um, potentially even as a hurt roster they still have a better roster Um, the offense is somehow ninth in epa per play i didn't expect to see that Um, i didn't i thought they kind of started a hot but i thought they had also just faded out but they're currently ninth under dave ragone ragone i don't know how to say his last name but it's it's Italian now, so Something there you like go. That. <laughs> yeah, um, but they haven't had Patterson half the year, and Mariota's is the quarterback, and no one really has great raw numbers. Like you, have, I know Steven has Kyle Pitts on his fantasy team. I have that's Drake been London. So annoying. <laughs> yeah, and no one has like great numbers. I think the most any receiver has is two touchdowns and like three hundred yards. Yeah, but like they're also sixth in points per game. I don't know if that's a Young way Ku thing or what. Um, but they're just they're like an efficient offense. That, at the end of the day, gets it done. But it doesn't seem like the raw numbers are there. I don't know. haven't watched any Falcons football. Um, The defense, though, is not great, um, especially with the injuries that they have. Casey Hayward, obviously, on IR. I don't know if AJ Terrell Terrell, um, is back or not. Um, But they're 31st in EPA per play this season. And then the core special teams. They have one, Young Hui Koo. I did not realize um, he's, where is it? Third in nfl history in career field goal percentage which is doubly as fun when you look that slightly (laughs) down the line as well uh josh lambo is sixth in nfl history in field goal percentage so that's a little hilarious although believe it or not dustin hopkins is 19th all time so you know he's getting there and he did it with one leg so i'm just saying (laughs) um but yes it is a bummer to see those two guys um still this isn't the best season young Hui Ku has had he's missed three field goals so far Mm. So, you know, maybe I get three field goals. (laughs) He's missed three. Um, That's his bad season. But, you know, it's certainly not like the elite, you know, 90 plus percent that maybe they're used to from the Falcons and his play there. So it's, you know, it's an offensive driven team. And it's an offensive minded head coach. And they fight. And we'll talk about, you know, the the matchups and the keys to victory in a sec. But like you said, they, they kind of punch above their weight class. And they're kind of gritty, which does not feel great heading into the game they are kind of gritty and i i have watched a couple falcons
2: game i I watched the game on sunday against the panthers and i watched some some film leading up into today and you know offensively like they they're kind of like the discount version of the browns like in the sense that they're just they don't make a ton of mistakes they have a very clean system you know they do a lot of outside zone stuff for um obviously their running game and um you know they're kind of plug and play at the running back position obviously Cordero Patterson was one of the best running backs in the league last year and this year he's been hurt although he potentially could be coming back this week um and you know they're rolling with Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier and um insert practice squad player here and it just is is a really clean scheme and they're doing a great job of kind of maximizing it I wish that would go towards Kyle Pitts a little bit uh as somebody who has him in like four fantasy leagues so Um, you know, it it just, it's a really, you know, well-coached offense, you know, they're doing a lot of things to get the most out of Marcus Mariota. They're doing a lot of like zone read concepts outside of the outside zone game, a lot of bootlegs. So, uh, the chargers definitely will have to be on top of the mobility aspect for Marcus Mariota this week. And then obviously just be really sound on defense and not be able to, uh, give the edges like we saw them do against the uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if anybody else had anything to add there about the coaching staff, but uh, we'll move on here to their free agency moves. Obviously, it was a a pretty big and notable offseason for the Falcons. They have the second most dead cap in the league, uh, thanks to some of the trades that they've made recently. Obviously, Julio Jones, uh, two offseasons ago, they traded Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts, which looks like a hilariously good move for the Falcons at this point. Um, they did not re-sign Foyasade Aluakon to like the third biggest linebacker contract in the league, which I, again, smart, they didn't have the money to do that. Um, Russell Gage, one of their better receivers is on Tampa Bay, Mike Davis, their starting running back before the Cordero Patterson and then Dante Fowler. And they just traded Deion Jones. Uh, those are kind of their key losses. So that's a lot of veteran talent, especially, you know, Foyasade, who's probably a Pro Bowl linebacker, Matt Ryan, arguably their. Their best player in franchise history. Um, and so they go out and in the offseason. They don't have a ton of cap space, right? Their biggest contract that they added was Casey Hayward, um, which I think is a two year, like $15 million deal. It's not anything crazy. Um, they signed Marcus Mariota to uh, be the bridge quarterback. And like I said, they're leaning fully into his mobility aspect and not <laughs> asking him to pass a whole lot, uh, which we can certainly get into. Um, just looking at the the differences in pass attempts and pass blocking numbers are are really hilarious to me uh, in 2022. Um, Elijah Wilkerson, again, cheap veteran contract for a, an offensive lineman. Rashawn Evans, cheap contract from a linebacker perspective. Um, they did trade for Brian Edwards, not really playing, a, playing him a whole lot, but I think they threw like a fifth-round pick to the Raiders just for kicks and giggles. And then uh, Lorenzo Carter probably is their most productive uh free agency edition but even he has not been like super good he's made a couple splash plays obviously had a pick six uh this past week but um the falcons frankly have done a lot of their success through the draft and through coaching this is this is not like a veteran laden team that has you know uh, you know bryce callahan or morgan fox on its team like they're just not getting those kind of contributions and i think you can see that uh, looking up and down this list and you know, there's there's more that I could talk about, obviously, but I didn't want to list, you know,
1: 15 names on here. Uh, what when are the Colts going to learn? Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man, for them to get with Matt Ryan looking as bad as he did last year. They got like a second and a third, right? Yeah. Um, in that Matt Ryan yeah. trade. And, you know, you eat whatever dead cap and then you basically can move on and rebuild your roster. So, I mean, I thought that, you know, doing the 2022 version of the Wentz trade uh, was really smart for them. Uh, and, you know, they basically are in this stage where they're just kind of retooling their roster, seeing what works, bringing in a vet like Casey Hayward, but also, you know, going through the draft and, and getting those guys as well um so i mean you know and i i didn't think that they anticipated you know the chaos that would happen in the nfc south and suddenly yeah the falcons are probably the best team in the nfc south um <laughs> you know because of how the buccaneers have fallen off um and, and everything going on there so you know if you take this opportunity to kind of have a young team you know tool around see kind of what works and what doesn't and you can sort of start to rebuild and put assets into your future as well in, in future drafts. And eventually, you know, whether that quarterback ends up being Desmond Ritter or a quarterback that they find somewhere else uh, in another draft or find through some other means after this Marcus Mariota year. Um, I'll be curious just to see what direction they go long-term. Did, did, did the Falcons sorry.
2: absorb Matt Ryan's contract? Uh, not all of it. The Colts are definitely paying some of it because he is under contract this year and next year. Um, but the dead cap hit, I want to say was like $25 million for this year and like 10 for mm-hmm. next year. So um, they've, they've taken a good amount of dead cap for him. And I think they still have like $10 million in dead cap for Julio Jones this year. So it's a, uh, it's a big one.
3: Alex, do you know, cause you would just totally know this, how much the Colts are paying for Carson Wentz and for Matt Ryan collectively right now? <laughs> uh, Let's look. This is fun. I, I want to look. I I don't know. <laughs> I know how much the Eagles
1: are paying for Carson Wentz. Um, I don't know how much the Colts are, but I would assume it's probably the same number for Wentz because yeah, he was on that twenty. What is that? The like four year, one hundred thirty million dollar deal. Um, yeah. yeah, wouldn't know at the top of my head what the what they're paying for Ryan, but yeah, now <laughs> the Colts are going to be paying for Ryan and Wentz and starting sam ellinger to save frank Reich's job <laughs> my goodness yeah so matt ryan's
2: base salary this year for the cult side of things is 12.7 million dollars his cap number is 18.7 and then they have a 15 million dollar dead cap charge for carson wentz so not as bad as i thought but yeah that's not very funny all right moving on No, moving on <laughs> (laughs) Um, Yeah, obviously, we'll get to, you know, the draft class next here. Um, Very interesting exercise here in terms of, like, roster building of of what the Falcons are going to do. So um, Alex is going to dive in here to the uh, draft class for the Falcons.
1: Yeah, um, I I think the Falcons, when the draft kind of played out, were the first, like, big, oh, well, that happened pick when they took Drake London. Um, And it was like, all right, well, you know, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. We don't know what their offense is going to be. Uh, And, you know, taking Drake London, I think he's been one of the best, you know, rookie receivers, um, graded by PFF, uh, 315 yards, two touchdowns, uh, I believe, through this point. Uh, So, you know, obviously the Falcons, as we've talked about, are not this pass heavy offense, um, you know, and so that's part of the problem right now. But Drake London looks like a great future receiver for them, Um, given the Chargers secondary situation right now. I I would not be surprised if Drake London did still give them some problems in this game. Ebbichetti is another player who has shown some flashes that I think all three of us were pretty high on uh, coming out of the draft, like, in general. Uh, So, you know, obviously he's been contributing for them. Uh, The the big pick, I I think, is is Desmond Ritter, which I I didn't know what to make of at the time because it's like they take him in the third round and this quarterback draft was just weird as a whole. was who was the first quarterback to go? Was it Ritter? No, Kenny Pickett was the Pickett. first rounder. Oh, Pickett, pick yeah, Pickett in the first round. But then it was Ritter, then Willis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just didn't know what to think of Ritter, if they were going to play him or not. Um, and then they end up signing. Uh, I believe Mariota was signed before, but um, it was just interesting how that whole situation is playing out. I don't know if Ritter, like, has a future there or or what they're really going to do with him. But um, it's just kind of another example of like what we talked about with the free agent group, just kind of seeing what sticks and what doesn't right now. And right now, Mario is the starter. Maybe that, you know, paves the way for Ritter next year um, or something like that. Uh, As we talked about with the running backs before, you have Tyler Alagier, who, you know, in the wake of Cordero Patterson injuries and, you know, everything that's happened to the team has, you know, contributed in that running room uh, pretty well. So I'd like to see just kind of, you know, what the game plan is for him with Cordero Patterson now coming back uh from IR, which great. He's here just in time to face the Chargers and go off for I'm sure 150 yards. So awesome. <laughs> um but yeah so I mean overall I like it, as long as you can say that you know, and I think we talked about this with some of the other draft classes we covered. You have three or four players that are instant contributors for you. Wish the Chargers had that in their current draft class. Um, But, you know, once you have that, that's kind of the sign of a good draft class. And obviously Ritter and, and other players from this class, uh, uh, like Schaefer and Fitzpatrick, can potentially contribute for them in the future. Um, So overall, I mean, this is a pretty solid, you know, building for the future type of class uh, for the Falcons. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, again, going to be very interesting to see what happens with Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota, because, you know, they're, they're almost like a victim of their success this season, because I feel like, you know, they have their bye week coming up, I think in three weeks, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's a week 10 or week uh, 11 bye. So at that point, you're probably like, okay, like this is, this is probably gonna be Desmond Ritter time to close out the rest of the season um and you know now they're four and four they could be potentially like six and four or I guess that'd be seven and four heading into the bye maybe they're even uh six and five and again still kind of in the in the playoff hunt so I, I don't think they can make a Marcus Mariota Desmond Ritter shift at this point but at the same time like now they're not going to be in a great draft position either for a quarterback so um, just going to be very interesting to see how they kind of navigate it. I am, I'm very curious to see what ultimately becomes of Desmond Ritter because I, I liked him. He wasn't like he didn't have a super high grade for me. You know, Malik Willis was probably would have been my my QB one. But um, I think Desmond Ritter can be a, an effective game manager kind of quarterback in this league. I just don't know if he's going to get the chance there in Atlanta.
3: Didn't watch quarterbacks. I have no uh, <laughs> you know horse in this race at all. Uh, Drake London. I think he's good. People say it's really good. And the film looks great. He just they pass it 12 times a game. So the guy has, you know, no raw numbers right now. But it looks like he is going to be a really, really solid receiver in this league. Arnold Evichetti, man. I I didn't look to the numbers before this. I guess I should have, you know, among rookies, fifth in win rate. Not bad. Tied with Aiden Hutchinson. He's seventh. Tied with Kayvon Thibodeau in pass rush productivity. He's got the third most pressures. Hey, you know, I feel pretty good about Arnold Biketti, man. Like, yeah. I like rooting for the guys that I liked in the draft to go succeed. Although, I do have to say, looking at this list of pass rushers, I see Nick Benito leads all rookies in win rate. That's interesting. Can't wait for that to uh, continue. <laughs> Got to find that guy who told me he wasn't going to make it. I think he's going to make it. Several, several guys told us that he was not going to make it. So, uh,
2: wouldn't it be nice to have Nick Benito right now? That'd be really freaking fun. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, so um yeah obviously drake london is is the headliner here but um should be a good rookie class i mean troy anderson doesn't play a ton but he's you know mm-hmm. he's their third linebacker if i'm not mistaken d'angelo malone their third pass rusher yeah and like alex said you know tyler Algier being there starting running back right now so um,
3: getting a, a good amount of value from this class as a whole as is mm-hmm. uh, i heard from falcons fans very early i think even in the preseason that basically that they had taken the wrong Georgia offensive lineman. They took Schaefer. We took Salyer. <laughs> Salyer went later, of course. At least if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And, Schaefer um, and went first, yep. Schaefer, the thing with Schaefer is, I'm like, uh, Steve. Or I think, Steven, you asked me, like, did you watch both the uh, Georgia guys yet? I'm like, no. I'm like, should I watch Schaefer? Steven was like, no. You don't have to worry about watching Schaefer. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. I guess I won't watch him. Uh, it sounds like, um, I don't know how he's playing, but it doesn't seem like they're thrilled with him. I think he's a backup, but... Uh, Yeah, if they had taken
2: Jamari Salyer, this would be a very different season for the Chargers (laughs) right now uh, because Salyer is really kind of billing them out. (laughs) Um, All right. So that's obviously the Falcon side of things. We'll dive in more specifically to the Chargers side of things here. Um, Obviously, we talked a lot about Keenan Allen and things like that. Um, Tyler, what is your uh, victory formation point here that you want to bring up if the Chargers are going to come out victorious? on Sunday morning, what's the the most important thing that you need to see them do?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: Justin Herbert and the offense and Joe Lombardi, but in this case, Justin Herbert, because he is the guy pulling the trigger. You got to start taking chances and throw it to guys that you really do not want or to throw it to or even trust. Like just straight up. Michael Bandy in the fourth quarter against the Seahawks. Granted, it was like one play. Open enough on a go route. Herbert didn't throw it. I think on a coverage sack or something bad happened during that game. McKitty's open in the flat or on a shallow crosser. Herbert just does not want to go to him. We saw against the Broncos, he double-pump faked it against Xander Horvath on third down. He wouldn't throw it to him. You know, he'll, he'll make risky throws to Palmer, which is good because he'll be there. And he'll make risky throws to Everett, who has been there. He's got to take chances because this Falcons offense, I don't think, and I'm praying that the defense holds up for the Chargers, I don't think this Falcons offense is going to go out and score a ton of points. The Chargers... If they try to play it very safe and Herbert just takes the checks downs to Eckler, despite guys being open downfield, I don't know. I don't know how far they're going to get on offense because they don't have the guys. Herbert is just going to have to take some chances to Jason Moore, to Michael Bandy, to Trey McKitty, to Richard Rogers, to Donald Parham, whatever. And yes, of course the guys he does trust in in Palmer and Everett, it seems he's just going to have to like, they're going to have to up their interception rate. They're going to have to turn the ball over a couple times. They're going to have to take those 50, 50 chances because the 50% of the time that it does potentially work could be good for them. And I think this week you don't have Keenan. They didn't give you any players to really work with your best receiver is off his second concussion and has already hurt his ankle and his knee this year. You just have to take chances and for them to win a granted it has to pay off too, but for them to win, Herbert is just going to have to take those chances. I know nobody wants to hear this, but they actually didn't run stick the entire game against the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Like, believe it or not, there were a lot of plays where guys were just down the field. The issue was they're not open like Keenan Allen and they're not big and physical like Mike Williams. And Herbert's just going to have to take those chances and he might throw three interceptions, but they got to try something. If they can put up 20 something points, a couple of them off of good chances, off of t- taking chances, and the defense holds up. I think they can win, but Herbert is going to have to stop checking it down to Eckler, which I mean, it sometimes does really work, but he has to take those chances to guys that he doesn't really trust. And he's probably not going to, but he's going to have to. Yeah. I uh, I actually
2: counted the amount of times they did run stick, and it was like five or six, which is still a lot, but it's not as much as people make it out to seem right. But yeah, um, you know, the, the thing there is obviously that. You know, they were trailing the whole time and, and, you know, that obviously impacted them. But I really liked the way that they were getting Gerald Everett involved. I liked the way that they were getting Austin Eckler involved. It wasn't just like Austin Eckler go to the flat or just check down over the middle. Like they were doing some angle routes and whip routes and get him out wide. So just take that game plan and just like change it over. And um, obviously the injury is, is still impacting Justin Herbert, but he has been quicker to trigger this year than he was even last year and I think you know he's naturally somebody that's going to go through his progressions and he's made a huge step forward in that regard but now it's almost like he knows hey my first read's not open I'm not even going to go to second and third I'm going straight to Eckler and uh, I I think they they he has left some meat on the bone uh, because of that so um, him not trusting the guys is impacting him the injuries impacting him but I do agree that there have been opportunities for, for him and the receivers to connect, but um, you know he's not necessarily trusting anything really right now. So, um, gotta give second and third reads a, l- a little bit more of a chance uh, going forward. Um, Alex, your uh,
1: victory formation point uh, would be what? Um, copy paste the Browns defensive plan in this game I guess but do it better um so I mean look like you kind of know what the Falcons are gonna do right like this is not a team that is like the Seahawks I guess they played uh you know prior to the bye where it's like oh there are a bunch of different ways they can beat you and a bunch of different receivers that are gonna go downfield and here's Kenneth Walker right like you kind of know or Gino Geno Smith running around like the Falcons are very one dimensional. And so for the chargers, you know, the run defense and, you know, Tyler posted some of the numbers in terms of the money they spent and the results they've been getting, um, you know, this morning in terms of the run defense. So, I mean, this is a big game for them. Um, I, I, much like I think the Browns game was and, and, I don't really think they were up for that test, but they still won the game because Jacoby Brissett gifted them an interception. Um, So I'd like to see a more clean effort when it comes to the defense and and just stopping the run game in general. It doesn't help that this is the first game of Cordero Patterson back. But um, yeah, I mean, just... Obviously, you can't let Marcus Mariota beat you with his arm, uh, much like we talked about with Jacoby Brissett a couple weeks ago. Um, So, you know, I guess kind of... Well, one... Put a QB spy on him for the love of God! I cannot watch any third down runs where he somehow inexplicably is like left wide open to just run to the left and like <laughs> pick up a first down. But two, I mean, you just have to man up and obviously stop them uh, on the ground. Uh, whether it comes to Mariota doing that or their running backs and Patterson and um and and the Chargers should have the pieces to do that. Falcons offensive line. Not as good as the Browns offensive line from a couple weeks ago. You know, we're just talking about those rushing attacks. Um, So the Chargers don't really have an excuse, in in my opinion, this week to be giving up, you know, 200 plus yards on the ground. Um, Or at least it won't be nearly as acceptable as when, you know, Chubb and Hunt were doing it. Uh, So for me, I think the Falcons do not have the talent to run the scheme that the Browns did as effectively as the Browns did against the Chargers. And I think it's up to this defense, despite the pieces they're down and despite everything that is working against them to show why they do still have flashes of, you know, being that top 10 defense sometimes. And, you know, you know what the Falcons are going to do. So get it done.
2: Yeah, I think that's spot on. I was going to talk about something similar myself. I think this is, you know, a huge stretch of games for this defense, right? Like this, this is a game that. You know, on paper, kind of feels very similar to um, the Broncos game from a defensive perspective where you know the quarterback is not going to be a huge factor with his arm. You know that um, this is going to be an offense that wants to ball control, extended drives, you know, 15-play drives kind of thing, trust the run game, don't turn the ball over. And so for me, like this is – this game is going to come down to like – basically the story of the whole season is explosive plays. Like the chargers have to win the explosive play battle and in the games that they have won uh, or the game, the games that they have won. Yeah. They have won the explosive play games uh, turnout as well. So um, this is an opportunity for this chargers defense to show that they can get on the same page after the bye week and be able to not give up a a good amount of 10 plus yard runs and 20 plus yard passes. And for the offense to do the same thing, you know, this, uh, this Falcons defense is not very good on paper. We've kind of already covered that not healthy either. So um, to me, this is going to come down to which team can get more explosive plays or not. Cause I think both teams are going to head into this for different reasons. Right with the mentality to control the clock and make sure that they are kind of extending drives, being efficient, don't lose the game. It just kind of feels like, you know, very similar vibes to the Broncos game overall. So um, to me, this comes down to who can create explosive plays and who can prevent explosive plays. And, you know, the Chargers have to be that team because they, they have the better roster on paper. They have the guys to do it. You know, this needs to be a big Derwin James game. Cleo Mack needs to be a big game for him. Big Austin Eckler game, big, big Gerald Everett game. The stars that they do have have to show up and create explosive plays for them to win. Yep. Cool. All right, we'll uh, jump in now. Oh, shout out to uh, Tyler's mom, Mama Shun, with the uh, super chat here, so appreciate that. Um, we'll jump now into our key matchups, as well as our bold predictions for this game. Um, I'll start it off here because I think this, frankly, with from an offensive perspective, the only player that I'm really worried about from the Falcons uh, defense is Grady Jarrett, uh, mm-hmm. obviously the former all-pro defensive tackle, one of the best pass rushers in the league. He really is their only consistent source of pass rush right now. Um, as it currently stands, he is – uh, ninth in total pressures with 25, uh, just behind Jonathan Allen and Kenny Clark. Aaron Donald has 27 for what it's worth. Um, so he's, he's a consistently top 10 producing uh, defensive tackle pass rusher. And he's somebody he, uh, he's had five sacks on the season, two of which are uh, were forced fumbles. So he he knows how to get the ball out. Really, he should have six sacks. But, you know, there was that bullshit roughing the passer call on Tom Brady. So he is somebody that has been very productive this season as an interior pass rusher, despite getting all the attention, right. And, and that just really kind of shows you where he's at. Cause you're not double teaming Lorenzo Carter or Arnold, Arnold Abicati, like no shade, but like that just facts. So um, he's going to get all the attention from the chargers. And, you know, we haven't seen a super clean game from Matt Filer and Zion Johnson really mm-hmm. in quite some time. It's, usually one or the other kind of struggles. And um, really the last time where I felt like both guys played well uh, was probably the the Texans game where both of yeah, them played pretty well. So um, it's been a minute. And Zion's a rookie. You know, He's going to have some up and down moments. He had some really good moments ag- against Chris Jones. Matt Fyler has had some really bad moments against good pass rushers. So um, mm-hmm. with the way that the skill position is limited, you have to handle your business against Grady Jarrett, in my opinion, to be successful in offense.
3: Yeah, I would agree. And I even thought in Corey Lindsley's first game back, it wasn't great for him against the Seahawks. I thought a lot of those interior guys really got pushed around by the yeah. Seahawks. At, I forget who 94 is, but he's an enormous human being for the Seahawks. And he mm. kind of had his way with them a couple of times. So hopefully it's a good bounce back game for them. I think that's Puna Ford. That's it. Yeah.
2: Big old dude. Jesus. Yeah, they got some big dudes. Al Woods is huge, too. Um, Mark Sanchez kept on calling, calling Al Woods. Like, uh, um, Shoot, what, what car did he use? It was like a, a beetle, a, a a bug or something a like bug? that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like that's the car you use for a big nose tackle? that makes
3: sense. <laughs> yeah, the car, the first car that my sister ever had for when she turned 16. That's what I want to <laughs> compare a nose tackle to. <laughs> Um, Alex, what's
2: uh, what's your key matchup next?
1: Um, I'm going to go with wide receiver, but since all the Chargers wide receivers are dead, I thought I would talk about the Falcons receivers. Um, Demir Bird is uh, a really concerning one for me here. uh In the last two weeks, 142 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously, a lot of those come on two big plays. Um, you know his 75-yard touchdown reception against the Bengals. Uh, and then he has the big play from Marcus Mario last week where he ran it into the end zone um, for a touchdown. So, I mean, the, the chargers have just kind of struggled a little bit when it comes to speed receivers this year um, Been some miscommunication, you know, moments kind of through this defense through the year. Um, people remember the infamous, you know, KJ Hamler getting behind the defense right before halftime because JC Jackson wasn't sure where he's supposed to be. Then him and JC or him and Derwin are trying to help out, so um, you know, I'm not concerned about Marcus Mariota beating the Chargers with his arm. I am a little bit concerned about someone, somebody like Demir Bird causing problems for a secondary that has not ha- always had its stuff together and been communicating at the right points. And obviously now it's down. J.C. Jackson, um, you know who who knows exactly if Michael Davis is going to be par- covering. He's probably going to be probably preoccupied with. Uh, Drake London uh, I would assume and so that's probably going to be an Asante Samuel Jr. or Bryce Callahan responsibility Um, but I do think as far as you know if you're talking about one Falcons passing option that you're really afraid of maybe it's Kyle Pitts um, but that you know hasn't really gotten started yet maybe it's Drake London just based off name value Um, but for me Demir Bird is the guy that I think can cause the most problems for the Chargers uh, in a hurry and you know, start to compound some of the issues that they already have in the run game.
3: Yeah, no, that's a really good call. Um, I don't know who will cover who, but we even see, with everything I love about Alessandro Samuel Jr. and the way he plays everything in front of him, it does feel like when things get behind him or there's some speed, there's still either he's not quite in position or he gets called for defensive pass interference or holding or something. We saw Marquise Goodwin against Asante Samuel Jr. in the red zone. Just kind of get by him and past him. You know, poor eyes from Asante Samuel Jr. So if Bird is that quick and that fast, and that is definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, I'll just jump right over to, you know, something very similar. Bryce Callahan versus Kyle Pitts. Now that that it's it's a perfect one-to-one, like Kyle Pitts isn't only going to be in the slot. Obviously plays, I think, like 15% out wide and 20-something percent um, as an inline tight end. But he does spend, like, of anything that he does, he spends the most time, the highest percent time, in the slot and that's kind of a best on best right now. Like I like Drake London a lot, but Kyle Pitts is like was the better prospect. Uh different position of course, but like Kyle Pitts is the generational talent, you know, bona fide first round pick. What do you go, top five or whatever in the draft? There's four. Um four. Okay, Drake London went seventh, but still like you know Kyle <laughs> Pitts was that was that dude. And Bryce Callahan's given up 91 yards in seven games. Like he has more solo tackles this year then receptions allowed, and so it's going to be you know again it's not like a perfect one to one, and I'm curious what they're doing now because you did see J.C. Jackson against the Seahawks kind of move around a bit more, and then mm-hmm. of course he gets hurt, so we never really got to see what that was going to be. I don't know if it's a perfect one to one, but to me, Price Callahan versus really whoever lands up in the slot, but that that's a huge one for me, and I think he's just he think I think he's due for an interception. It feels like he's really close.
2: Yeah, Bryce Callahan has been awesome. Like we've we've talked about a lot this season. Arguably their best free agency acquisition this year. So, um Bryce Callahan whoever he matches up with is going to be really interesting. This this Falcons uh skill player group again, it's it's a group that will make you pay if you make mistakes, you know, Kyle Pitts uh big play threat after the after the catch, so is Drake London, that was something that we talked about uh leading into the draft is you know both of those both of uh their abilities to create after the catch is just something that's really fun to watch um you know Demir Bird one of the league leaders in dot right now since uh, a lot of people love that statistic and then Olademius, Ola Demius I, I that's definitely wrong Zacchaeus is also up there in the top in dot and yards per reception so um they don't throw a ton But they're pretty successful because these guys, again, they're not like household names at this point right now, but um, they make big plays when they have to. All right, we'll get to uh, our bold predictions this time around. Obviously, um, this is where we get a little creative with it. Um, Tyler, we'll start with you. What's your uh, bold prediction for this Sunday morning? uh
3: Chargers win 28 to 6. Now it would be 28 <laughs> to 3, but this team is not good enough to make it funny enough, so they're going to be 28 to 3 for a while and then for some reason they'll kick a field goal. I don't know. They're going to win 28 to 6. That is my bold prediction. Um really? I'm completely talking out of my ass there's no way they're winning by that much but it is a bold prediction after all yeah bold prediction uh all of this
2: dysfunction and negativity in the charges come out with their biggest win of the season that'd be hilarious it'd be really funny but obviously very needed
1: um bold prediction herbert throws more than one touchdown this week Woo. um I, I don't know
3: <laughs> to who <laughs> who's the lucky winner
1: DeAndre oh. Carter. Oh. <laughs> no, um, I, I think this is a three touchdown game for Herbert. Um, I think he gets back mm-hmm. on the ship here just in general. Um, you know, obviously has had the bye week to kind of process things. And, you know, still has Austin Eckler, still has Gerald Everett. Um, I do think that the Chargers, in addition to whatever they might get on the ground from Austin Eckler, I think this is kind of a bounce back game for Justin Herbert. Um, you know, I, I do think a lot of the stuff that people are saying about uh, Tua and and some of the other stuff that's going around is probably, you know, uh, serves as some kind of motivation for him. Um, obviously, I don't think this is kind of the season that he's wanted to have after the rib injury, but has obviously had, uh, you know, 14 days since the last game against Seattle, has had some time, you know, a month or so now to kind of come back from the rib injury. Don't know if he'll be, you know, full Herbert slinging around the field. But I do think this is a, you know, three touchdown. I'll say 250, 300 yard game for him. There we go. And again, this is our
2: bold predictions. These are not our real predictions, although maybe that is Alex's real prediction. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Joe Reed, three touchdowns. (laughs) That'd be awesome, man. Long live Joe Reed in that hype. I hope they give him a chance this week without Keenan Allen. We'll see. But the bold prediction for me. Um, I'm going with Derwin James. I'm going two turnovers forced for Mr. Derwin James. He a lot of Derwin slander going on on social media right now. I'm not for it. Um, You know, he is currently on pace for a career high in pressures, sacks, uh, tackles and forced incompletions. He's due for some turnovers. So I do think uh, bull prediction Derwin gets two turnovers this weekend.
3: I like it. Alden also points out that my cousin kicks four field goals. <laughs> oh, <God.
2: laughs> oh my goodness. All all right. Um Alex, any uh, final thoughts before we head out for the evening?
1: No, we've reached our racism quota in the chat, so uh we we we're, we're all good for today.
3: We <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Uh Tyler, any final thoughts, man? I, I pray for Keenan Allen's speedy recovery. I hope he's back soon. hope he's back Sunday, but we heard that's not going to happen. So I hope he's back sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, speedy recovery for him and uh, everybody else that's injured. So uh,
2: Daniel Popper said Chris Rumpf was in a brace today too. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. Obviously final thoughts, lots of uh, negative vibes today and and I uh, appreciate everybody kind of sticking through it. So, Uh, This is a process for us as well as you guys, so um, hopefully the Chargers are able to uh, rebound this week, uh, prove that they are a well-coached team after the bye, and be able to uh, figure it out and get a win in Atlanta. So uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll be going live on Saturday morning for our usual uh, wrap-up there. We'll do our Q&A and uh, make our weekly picks and score predictions for the Chargers game. Uh, and all that good stuff. So if you are listening to this, we appreciate you as well. Leave us a rating or review and we'll uh, see you guys next time.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality.